Millie, we're back at Evoke Ag. We've, we're towards the end of day one, and I guess there's been a lot of different discussions, everything from AI. Naturally, it makes sense that it's a lot of focus on tech platforms, but let's get to know our next guest. And I need to tell you, Sam, I haven't said it many times. Millie probably hasn't heard it, but I actually just got back from Japan myself. <laughs> oh, did you? It's a place that you, you call- You would never know because he's never spoken about his holiday to Japan. <laughs> went to Japan first time. <laughs> couple of nights in Tokyo, then to hack of a skiing. Incredible. Do you make it your way down to Osaka or Kyoto? I didn't. So that, that's why I've got to go back. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. <laughs> but Sam Lambert, you're one of the Evoke Ag future young leaders. You are, you're an Aussie, but you're actually calling Japan home. So that's what we've got in common. I come on holiday where you call home. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I grew up in Sydney and then I studied for four years in Canberra. So moved around a bit. And before that, I was actually born in Hong Kong. So I've got a bit of a weird background. Born in Hong Kong, my mum's Japanese, moved to Japan for a few years and then moved to Sydney. And then, yeah, I started a job and I thought I was going to be traveling heaps. And then COVID hit, I was stuck in my home and my apartment. And yeah, just, I guess the curiosity got the better of me and I moved. Mate, so it's the first time we've met. Like, t tell me a little bit about your background. So yes. What did you study in Canberra and where did it take you? Yeah, well, I think a more interesting start is in high school like i i grew up basically playing music my whole life so i think i started playing piano from the age of four or five got my um diplomas for that like quite young and then i was on a music scholarship at a school in sydney playing the oboe and i used to just play oboe and make reads that was my life basically i did that did a bunch of rock climbing as a kid and and i wanted to become a professional oboist for a long time and then you know, being a professional classical musician is somewhat limiting, I thought. And I sort of saw the struggles of the teachers and the, the musicians I knew. And I figured oh, I need to take a bit of a different step change and found my way to Canberra. So I study economics and statistics there. and Slightly, was, slightly different. Yeah, a bit different. And, and it's quite funny because I don't even think I was that good at math. Like I did, I did the harder math courses, I think, as a high school student, but I was never really good at it. I just played music. And I like geography. Do you but still play music now? A little bit. Like I play the piano a fair bit more. But being an oboist is hard. Like you have to make reeds. And you really get the most out of it when you're playing in an orchestra. And when you're traveling around and as an adult living a life where you have different responsibilities, it's hard to so stay committed to that. So I still play from time to time, but not probably enough. Hang on, I need to jump in here. I'm musically challenged, I think. But Two of us. I think this will be relatable for the audience as well. What is an oboist? Oboist. Oboist. So, oboist is a musical instrument. I wasn't asking you, Ollie. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so in, a, in a classical orchestra, you have the, like behind the strings, basically, you have the wind section. And in the wind section, you have oboes and you have flutes and clarinets. Oh, so the and oboe bassoons. is the instrument. Yes, yeah, that's right. So an um, oboe. It's long, has a... Yeah, bunch sort, of different of, sort of looks like a clarinet. I feel like everyone knows what a clarinet looks like. I, know, I do know what a clarinet and, is. And um, unlike a clarinet or a saxophone, which has one single reed, an oboe has two reeds. So there's a quite el elaborate process uh, of making this stuff. And yeah, right. I became a bit of a craftsman, you know, as a, as a kid. So while we're on the topic of oboes, because this is something I'm actually just curious about. Yeah. When you say you make a reed, yeah. like how? And what is a reed made out of? So a reed, I can get into this. I still know all the dimensions and the, the gauge. Don't reading, get too technical for us, please. It's just bamboo. Ah. You have bamboo and it uh, resonates as you blow through it. And you, yeah, you basically have to scrape it with a knife to get it to a certain um, thickness so that it can resonate properly. 
Hmm. But yeah, there's a whole art to it, really. And so how have you gone from this? This just feels so artistic, like classical music, rock climbing, yeah. economics, and now you're in ag tech. I feel like we, we've missed something. What has been the journey to get you here? Well, I think, I think if I really look back at it, like it's just like a love for learning, I think, like a curiosity about the world, but also the discipline to back it up. So like if you think about my music background and then my, my studies, like they may seem like quite different from one another, but all behind it, there was always this discipline and sort of curiosity about things. So, and I think it really came out during uni. I was being mentored by a guy called Bob Gregory. He's quite a well-known Australian economist. Him and another guy called Bruce Chapman actually helped create HEX. So don't say it's that loan program. Yeah, the loan. <laughs> student, oh, don't talk about that. The student loan program. They came up with this stuff. So <laughs> they literally have my future in the palm of their hands. <laughs> yeah, I cannot but, repay. But so so many millions of Australians benefit from this. And I got the study under this guy. I used to have coffee with him basically once, twice a week. He invited me to all his postgraduate classes. Like I'm an 18 year old at this point. And it, when I speak to other students, like they never got that type of mentorship or experience. And I just spent time with him, and he just taught me so much about learning, asking the right questions. And he told me, you're probably not suited to go to academia. So I, I took a different path and I went to consulting and yeah, I became interested in technology. And then yeah, one thing led to another and I found myself in the commodity space. Well, I love asking this question to people. What would you say you're genuinely and truly passionate about? So I, I think my superpower is curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's it. Good I one just to love learning things. And um, I was talking to my brother about it today, but we're quite specific in terms of our curiosities around things. Like I don't, I don't find every single thing interesting, but when I do, I, I become addicted basically. And I, I love learning as much as I can. And then part of it is just like trying to figure out how it all connects together, right? Like a lot of people are very specific in the skill set they have or the interest that they have. But because I find lots of different things quite interesting, just bringing it all together is quite interesting, quite magical, I think. And you've got me now because I'm quite curious on this. This is like an intervention. No. When hasn't that served you? Yeah. So for a long time, I thought it was a bad thing, right? Because I, I, I'd get bored really easily. Like one of the reasons I actually left my like corporate job because I, I said on air, but I got bored. I get really bored easily. So like, but when I really find something I find passionate, that that just keeps going down. The layers get deeper, 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 deeper. And you can keep going, keep going. Like that stuff just really excites me. So it hasn't served me well for a long time. Like maybe because there were so many competing interests for a long time, it seemed like I was not quite getting to the depth that maybe other people were getting at. But over time, it all sort of connects together, I think. And when it does, you've got, and my dad talks about this as an analogy. You have wells, right? And you build your well. And over time, a lot of people just build one well. But if you're sort of smart about it, you might build multiple wells. And over time, that ground system connects and you have like a ground, you know, basin of knowledge and wisdom and experience. And that's what I'm working towards. Yeah. So do you think you're going to change industries and and pieces like that across you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. And so right now, what does it look like? Like, tell us what you're sinking your teeth into and it's giving you that reward in your curiosity. Yeah. So I spent the last year learning a lot about the tea market. So we entered into Sri Lanka, working with some of the biggest tea producers over there with the Tea Factory Owners Association. We've been speaking to the Tea Board, which is the governing 
regulatory body. And I knew nothing about tea. Like as an Aussie, like we buy tea too, you know, Dilma's <laughs> in the, Dilma's a Sri Lankan Ceylon tea. We bought that at Woolworths. Like that's, that's the extent to what I knew. And then I found myself thrown into this world and I've just learned so much. And the cool thing is like, the more you learn, like it just, it sort of all comes in pieces together and you attract the right people. Like I've got someone on my team advising us. She's like one of the global tea experts. Like that's a thing. And she's like done a bunch of projects, like consulting with the UN, like worked with the biggest buyers, like producers all around the world. And it's just crazy, like how much you can learn from people like them. So that's sort of what has taken up my time. But really what we're trying to build like our, our end vision is building a commodity exchange, a hub and spoke commodity exchange. And the cool thing about commodity exchanges is that there's so many modules that make it up. And some markets care more about certain modules than others. And really what the interesting thing is, sure, like learning about this stuff's cool, like learning about payments or like how commodities are made, how they're traded, how they're financed, like intellectually that's interesting. But I think what's the most rewarding bit is when you can successfully build these solutions, you put trust back in the system where trust is absent. And when done right, you can completely transform the entire ecosystem. And one of our advisors for our company, he used to be the CEO and managing director of, I think the second largest commodity exchange in the world, the Indian Multi-Commodities Exchange. And like he helped them IPO and one of the things he said is like, it was crazy. Like the yields doubled, tripled. Farmers were getting paid twice, three times the amount with more trust, ability to finance stuff, borrow money, get access to credit and like completely change their livelihood. So I think, um, especially in like emerging markets, Australia, I think certain markets as well, you can completely transform the way people like in communities live. That's rewarding. Like, I'm not here to change the world. There's this saying that I heard from a mentor once, and he says, don't change the world, but be change in the world. And that's really what I live by. Sam, only because I saw her speak earlier, have you come across Julie Hirsch? And she's Elements T. She's, she was hosting a couple of things. I was speaking to her in, in the speaker's lounge just before. Yeah, cool. And she came in and watched me before I... Yeah, because she's doing some really interesting stuff. H- how did you get to this like this interest. So you, you had the background, you'd worked in commodity markets and whatnot, but then actually going creating something for yourself. Also in some of the most, like through Southeast Asia, which is billions of people. It's a heck of a, I guess, a marketplace to go after. Yeah. But who have you done this with? Yeah. So I've got two business partners and mo- most of the work that we're doing is like, much of it is driven by his vision. So we're very deep in the blockchain space. So a lot of our community and our customers are coming from that space. Mm-hmm. And he was actually one of the founding members of one of the largest blockchains in the world. It's called the Cardano blockchain. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before, but I think they're like a 15 or $20 billion ecosystem, like huge, huge. And they've got a very strong vision and mission around giving access to, to people, access to financial services in a way that they've never been able to get access to. So a lot of the stuff that initially that we were thinking about was through the work he had done in a lot of markets, such as Georgia, Africa. They're doing a lot of work out in Kenya and Ethiopia, for example. So it was through that, like we saw that there was a big gap. Like I had done some work in the Philippines working with digital banks a few years ago. I also saw the same thing. Like there was a huge gap in terms of the the technology that producers had access to and we just like, there was a huge gap that needed to be filled. 
And so with everything that you had going on, and I just want to pull it back to probably talking about Avocac, with everything that's going on, you're living over in, in Asia, in Japan, like w- why did you apply for to be a future young leader here at Evoke and, and maybe what have you got out of that journey? Yeah, I think like, I'm an Aussie, right? <laughs> I grew up in Australia. I'm half Australian, half Japanese, but I grew up here like I'm an Aussie. So mm-hmm. I think part of it is a nationalistic sort of pride or sense of trying to do something here. And... Australia is a much more developed mar- like market than many of the places I work in. But there's some innovations that we're working on that still benefit Australia. And I think part of, part of applying to Vogue was trying to be able to share all the work that we'd be doing and find out if there's an overlap where we can, we can have an impact on the market. That's why I applied. And so going from here, like what, what is it look like going into the future like how I guess you were using this platform as a bit of an accelerator but what what are you specifically looking for to accelerate it I'd love to be able to onboard different types of users onto the platform like we have a market access platform right now and we have a lot of different modules we've built out so we've got some pretty smart embedded um, logistics optimization we also have open sourced a traceability software so with traceability you can capture provenance data where it's from what inputs have gone in, what certifications have been achieved or, or given across the supply chain. Like we have a fair amount of technology that we plan to all open source or, or is already open source. So whether you're a producer, a buyer, you know, a trader, you know, financier, a regulator, like there's, there's something there that you can benefit from. And I'd love to be able to work with Aussies in that space. Are the kinds of people that you're going to get onto the platform here or not so much? I think there are, like there are some markets here that are being developed where exporting is a key priority. And if we're already working in markets, we can cross sell some of these products to the customers that we already have. So that would be awesome. And I was just at the Agri Futures booth and they've got emerging markets that they're developing. So I'd love to be able to work with those types of producers. Yeah, cool. And so the producers that you're working with, I think that's who you're working with in, say, Sri Lanka, which you mentioned before, like, and you mentioned the community aspect and, and giving that value and reward. Like, do you have any stories or examples of people that you've met and how it's directly impacted them and their business? I'll give you some examples of people that we've been working with. And a lot of it is not just our impact. It's just, it's what they're already doing, but what they'll be able to do more if we can open things up. So I have one customer... His name's Udena. He runs a tea garden called Calais Teas. And this guy is just, he's just got this love for sustainability and also his community. So he's been funding a local school. He's like, he's been developing a new school basically in his community. The housing, you know, where the garden workers stay in is like much higher quality than, than what exists in other tea, tea factories or tea gardens both in Sri Lanka, but around, around the world, like pretty substantial step change difference in terms of the quality of life that they have and huge focus on education as well. So like those kids are getting educated, like they're in a position now where they can choose whether or not they want to live this certain life that their parents are living or perhaps go into the city or contribute back to that community in a different way. So it's a multi-generational thing that I've been able to observe just by working with some of these people and if we can get this stuff working in the right way, it's not just him, it's his neighbours, it's his colleagues in the space as well. And the entire industry can move from where it is today to, to where it should be tomorrow. That's really exciting, Sam. I think um, are you straight back home after, after this trip? No, I, well, I'm going home, but I'm going to Sydney, which Sydney is home. also my home. For how long? 
a few days. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And then back to Japan. That's right. Well, mate, good luck with everything that's ahead. I think I'll say it's mind-blowing. It's levels above anything that I understand, but I think, yeah, what you're doing and that opportunity, I think it's really exciting. So good luck with it all. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's quite simple, I think, right? Like at the essence, you have someone that wants to sell something and someone that wants to buy something and you put trust in the system and you let them interact. We're just trying to make the process super simple. That's really it. Now Easy as that. I understand it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank you so no, much, no, Sam. No problem. Well, that's it for another episode from us here at Humans of Agriculture. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts and, well, if you're not, let us know. Hit us up at hello at humansofagriculture.com. Get in touch with any guest recommendations, topics, or things you'd like us to talk and get curious about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Rate, subscribe, review it. Any feedback is absolutely awesome and we really do welcome it. So look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane. We'll see you next time. See ya.